For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier Podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh. Corey, my brother, how you feeling? You know, Mac, I'm mixed. I mean, my uh, the Cavs are flying high, but my Patriots are in turmoil. So I'm just in the middle emotionally. <laughs> they have to figure that out, man. Mac Jones. Uh, it has Zappy. to be Mac Daddy, I've decided. You can't go, <laughs> you can't flip-flop between Zappy Hour and uh, the Big Mac. Yeah, it's not good from a confidence perspective for either quarterback, but especially the first round quarterback that you took not too long ago who just had your team in the playoffs. So especially when got, I wanted Justin Fields instead. <laughs> I think many, many Patriots fans did. Uh so hopefully they figure that out soon before they derail both of the careers of those dudes. <laughs> that said, this is a Cavaliers podcast, right? Corey. Right now, dude, I'm on cloud nine. You know, just just three games into the season, and Donovan Mitchell is already looking like he was worth the trade. He's averaging 33 points, 5.3 rebounds, seven assists per game, all the while putting up shooting splits of 49.3, 42.3, and 87 and a half. That's nearly the coveted 50, 40, 90 territory, my friend. And you combine that with the fact that he's playing above average defense and, and leading this team. And it's, it's pretty fucking easy to see why people are happy right now. Yeah. Especially when you combine that with the all-star tandem of Isaac Okoro they're together, they're averaging 34 points a game. <laughs> Next uh, it's, it's obviously, you know, it's still really early. So a lot of these takeaways you have to take with a gargantuan grain of salt. Right. But dog, I got to say like nearly everyone, that that was in that trade is starting to look like a winner. Um, you know, not just not just the Cavs, not just uh, the Jazz, but the players individually for the most part. Um, Lowry cooled off a little bit last night, but he's still averaging 21 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds, three assists. Colin Sexton is pretty clearly still kind of working his way back. And the Jazz probably aren't in any rush to get him into the starting lineup as long as one time Cleveland Cavalier Jordan Clarkson and uh, Mike Conley are balling right now. Um, Sexton's averaging 12.3, four and a half to assist. And he's shooting 40% from the field, including 33.3% from range. And he's playing just 18 and a half minutes per game. 
and has yet to start. Um, I think that's eventually going to change. But as I said, I just don't think there's any rush in that regard. And then you get to really like the lone loser of this deal so far. <laughs> and that's Ochai Abaji, who has only logged just one minute across their four games so far in four possible games, just one minute. Um, I think that changes, but due to the guys ahead of him playing so well, I mean, that just kind of speaks to the depth they have. Utah is currently using their players in like a form of window shopping. They're just showing everyone what they what players, how good they can look in the Utah system. And also at the same time being like, here's the price tag for if you want Jordan Clarkson or Malik Beasley or Mike Conley. And once like all the players eventually get sold off because, you know, as nice as it is that Utah is so, uh, playing so well recently i don't think any of us sit here and think that utah we're gonna be like man so for the playing games is utah um gonna make some noise i think it's more likely that utah is gonna fizzle out i mean it's so small such a small sample size in the beginning of the year we see teams all the time that no one expects get off the hot starts i mean hell the Cavs are one of those teams like two years ago they started off three and oh riding high Good vibes, and then we uh, ha- got to pick third in the draft. So you know that's that's how fun the roller coaster of three and zero to start the year can be. Yeah, I really think that you know there's just a lot here that you have to kind of look at and, and not to put too much stock in, just because it's I mean it's only three four games into the season for these teams. Uh, you know, and in regards to those, you know, the draft capital that Cleveland included in that trade, I'm not really, really worried about that just because I feel like this team is going to be in contender status here shortly. Um, maybe not this season, but in the following season and after that. So I'm not really worried about that. The Cavs are what two and one right now, and Utah is three and one right now. So, uh, Who would you rather have some- rest of your season? <laughs> <laughs> that dude but you look at the you look at their wins though too they 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 beat a pretty good nuggets team a pretty good timberwolves team who's just stacked their roster and and pels and, and the pels man who look like an under you know an underdog right now and it, uh, a dark horse rather so that that's some pretty good pretty good wins right there yeah so basically what mac is saying is take your family fortune and place it that utah will make the playoffs this year that's the mac perry guarantee (laughs) the mac perry guarantee you're gonna have to start a segment something like that Um, your lock of the week (laughs) yeah you know like utah's gonna blow shit up eventually like they're all i think it's gonna happen so soon it's got to right i mean like i think no NBA player in their right mind, no competitor is okay with tanking, but the, the, the general management and upper management definitely is because of the amount of draft capital they got. Um, and there's really two, two ways that this can go. They can just stay in asset accumulation mode and try and flip those picks and, and or role players for a star player. You could see that happen down the line. Um, or you could see this team be able to put together some type of package to trade up if they don't necessarily get to where they want in the lottery for a Wimbignana type. <laughs> or they uh, just throw all their assets at the Lakers as a pity trade. And then the Lakers can have Jordan Clarkson back, you know, a little reunion, Malik Beasley, you know, get LeBron some shooters because uh, as the uh, Austin Carr, Brad Doherty, uh, broadcast said and john michael uh lakers be struggling <laughs> <laughs> lakers be struggling geez. 
<laughs> oh man, yeah, it's pretty clear they're gonna blow that shit up eventually. It's like Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley. I don't know how hot they're gonna, you know, continue to stay and keep Sexton on that bench there, but they're definitely valuable trade chips. They just gave Colin that deal, so I don't see Colin moving and being rerouted. You never know. And then Lowry, you get to Lowry. I think Lowry's gonna end up staying in Utah too, but you could you can never really tell. Um, if, if somebody wants him enough, they'll trade for him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I want him. Can we have him back? <laughs> that would be, we'll give if, you if Isaac Okoro in a in a second. <laughs> when you factor in those contracts, like if you could take anybody back, I think for me right now, just based upon the play that we've seen from some of these guys, uh, I want a Baji back. <laughs> if you're not going to use him right now, uh, go ahead and send him back. But I get why that is. He's just kind of sitting and waiting his turn on the bench, and I think he'll get that soon. Just like I think Colin will eventually start. Um, it's just one of those things they're they're kind of riding things out, kind of building guys' trade value and seeing what they have uh, and who they're going to keep for their next, you know, for their rebuild. I know um, it seems like every this take gets offered up a lot, but it's always something I always think about is um, like if the NBA did a Premier League type system where you could loan players where you could just have young guys on good teams who never get the minutes, just go play like with like San Antonio for a season, let them get their reps in because Okchai isn't even in a situation where like the team has, it just has so many players ahead of him that he's not going to play. So if he could go somewhere else where there isn't as much in his way, like Cleveland could use uh, (laughs) desperately have used him (laughs) that, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't be upset if that happened. But also, a quick note: I can't. I just think it's hilarious that Colin Sexton is once again being blocked by Jordan Clarkson to be That's, a contributing player. Oh, what a world we live in, man! Like such a small world that that scenario could repeat itself. That's that's crazy. Um, I don't know. One in a million. I don't know. <laughs> Where's the odds of that? I, I, I uh, think uh, Colin definitely is not the biggest fan of Jordan, or I hope he is for how often Jordan has impeded his success. Yeah. And, you know, I think just from an outside perspective, still really rooting for Colin, still really rooting for Lowry. Um, No telling what that jazz team is going to look like at the midpoint of the season, but you have to think some of these moves are on the way. Um, Cleveland, on the other hand, you know, they obviously got the best player in that trade in Donovan Mitchell, who's put on a goddamn show, you know, <laughs> through these first three games uh, and, and has looked every bit the part of the superstar that the Cavs thought they were getting uh, when they acquired him. So I've been very, very um, – I'm not, I'm not going to mince words here. You know, I think we can both admit, well, maybe not you, but I know I can. I can admit that I was a little apprehensive about this deal when it was first brought up. And when it finally happened, like, damn, we just sacrificed a lot to get a guy who I feel like Colin Sexton is like a a tier, a, clearly a tier or two below, but still provides a lot of the same things uh, and on a cheaper deal. But, you know, Donovan has gone out and surprised me a hell of a lot. I don't know if that is just because me not watching enough Utah games. I don't know if that's the fit here in Cleveland. I don't know what it is. I mean, obviously, three-game stretch. But um, I, I feel really good about this trade right now. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think the thing that's hard for me still with this Donovan trade is obviously I'm not arguing that Donovan Mitchell isn't a fantastic player and he's not the best, hasn't been the best player on the court in every game we've watched the Cavs in so far. But at the same time, I still like my question of him and Darius's fit is still what I'm waiting for to see. So like I didn't really need confirmation 
that yes, Donovan Mitchell can carry a team offensively pretty much by himself throughout three games because we basically saw that at times in Utah. So that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily my primary concern. I think it's nice to see how he fits in with the other players on the team. But in my opinion, the most important player he needs to gel with is Darius Garland because this is still Darius's team. I don't see a situation in which Donovan's going to take that title from Darius just because of tenure with the organization and how Darius plays and how he incorporates others, how he likes to be that facilitating type. Donovan Mitchell's done a good job of putting on a more facilitating or or facilitating type style in the past few games. But I don't think this is going to be still be what the play style we see from Donovan Mitchell when Darius comes back. No, I don't think it would be either just because I feel like there's going to be more of a 50-50 ball split between those two in regards to who is actually going to be acting as the primary facilitator. That you have to factor in Karis LeVert, wherever he, you know, as a tertiary facilitator, playmaker, um, he's going to get his touches as well, whether that be within the starting lineup for the rest of the season or off of the bench. And we know that they're going to stagger a lot of these lineups when it comes to the guards. So all of them will get their fair share. But yeah. Fit with DG still paramount, still something that is yet to be seen for any stretch. Um, you know, because we really only got DG and Donovan on the court together for one half of basketball. So a lot to really be uh to, to keep an eye on there, frankly. And you know, had Gary Trent Jr. not sunk his talents into uh Darius Garland's eye. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, but but either way, it's it's still a pretty awesome sight uh, to see how things have played out, all things considered. Um, Donovan, we know, is every bit the kind of guy who can lead a team, um, you know, without any other real type of star right next to him in the backcourt. So um, just great to see. Uh, however, man, we, we, we got a lot of takeaways from these past three games. And what I really wanted to touch on here uh, today is three players in particular. And uh, like I said, there's there's multiple takeaways, but three guys in particular right now. First off, let's start with Isaac Okoro, who is averaging 1.3 points, one rebound, and zero assists, and is shooting just 20% from the field. And to take it a step further, He's seeing the court for just 19.7 minutes per game. Why do you think Isaac Okor has had such a rough start to the season? He is by far the least, uh, one of the least, oh my God, I need to rephrase this. He is by far the player who gets the least amount of plays called for him because it just seems like at times what Isaac we hear all off season from the coaching staff, like we need to get J, uh, like from JB be like, Isaac needs to be incorporated in the offense more. We're going to allow him to do what he's good at. We're going to have him be more active off ball. We thought we were seeing that more in uh, preseason of him making backdoor cuts more often, being more aggressive. And all it looks like to me, I don't know if it feels like the same to you is that his job is just to stand in the corner, have no defenders respect his shot whatsoever and just brick the three pointers every single time, no matter how open he is, he gets the most window of any player on the team. They're not going to respect it. But but the thing to me is because he doesn't make it. (laughs) I'm not saying that they should immediately respect it at this point in time, but Isaac is not doing himself any favors either when he is, he's, 
had continual possessions in which he will get an open shot, but rather than take that open basket with confidence, he will elect to drive to the basket, which can work at times, as we saw with a beautiful layup the other day he had off a, a bad closeout off the defender. But you know you can't always do that. Defenses are going to take that away. And when they take that away, Isaac, what are you going to do offensively? You you know, we, we're talking about the guy kind of just spotting up and standing in the corner and not he's cutting a little bit more, but there are no plays being run from him, obviously. And he, the movement is just not enough to to really create a lot of shots for him right now without DG, without Rubio, a lot of these other guys out here who can create for him. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the lack of plays for him is really definitely doing him in right now. I mean, it, Karis Levert is going to handle the ball a lot more, even with Darius back, which makes it so Isaac shouldn't initiate any offense whatsoever, unless it's like in a transition type play. But also at the same time, anytime I see him with the ball, his handle doesn't look that improved at all. Doesn't feel like he creates much separation really, but he doesn't get the opportunity to create separation because most of the times he gets touches are in catch and shoot situations or like instantly off of a cut. He needs to put it up to the basket and he's a strong kid. He should be driving more. I feel like that would apply more to his strengths, but Karis, it's weird because the Cavs just have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, I feel like, with players that want a ball handle. So at the end of the day, I don't think Isaac – Isaac just feels like an awkward fit right now, and you can't just justify him being out there because he's a defensive stud, which I'm not uh, saying that he isn't, but this just feels like another Matisse Thibault situation where it's – like you know what they're really good at, and they're obviously very talented at one thing, but that one thing isn't cohesive with the rest of your lineup when you have five. You're basically playing a four-on-five on offense every time. Yeah, and the defenses are going to neutralize him if he's not able to provide a little bit more. And I get it. A lot of people feel like he's not on this team for offensive purposes, but you got to give more than 1.3 points per game, especially especially when you don't have DG in the lineup. It's one thing if DG is there. It's one thing if Karis LeVert is also in the starting lineup like we saw in game one with Donovan Mitchell, with Evan Mobley, with Jared Allen. It's one thing to try and figure out where your shots are going to come from. But it's a whole other thing when the opportunities are there and you're just not doing enough with them. The the shot attempts are not plentiful for him, but he's not doing himself any favors when he has those opportunities either. Like generally when we see Isaac is most effective is in transition, right? Like getting him out and letting him run off the fast break opportunity and watching that man dunk is one of the best sights to see in Cleveland, uh, in Cleveland sports. But that is not always going to be the case. The defense is not always going to be able to force those turnovers. So when the game kind of slows down, when you're in the half court, what are you going to do? Like you cannot just spot up in the corner, especially if you're not taking the damn shot. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? Oh, no. It's just I I just keep on seeing images of him missing wide open threes in my head. They keep going <laughs> I'm believing in him. I hope nobody watching this right now or listening to this later is going to think that I'm really just down on Isaac because I'm not. I'm, I've been pulling for him for a while, and I still am. I just do not like what I've seen thus far through three games. I um, mean, it doesn't help that Jetty Osmond has been a nuclear missile from three-point range. That really helps Barry Isaac's minutes because 
Jetty True. is by far been the better small forward. And, and that's that's another guy. That's the next guy I wanted to talk about. So thank you for bringing him up. Jetty Osman. Natural segue. <laughs> yeah, it's very natural. He's proven absolutely <laughs> vital to the Cavs' success so far. And he's put up 16 points per game. And he's shooting 56.7% from the field, including a blistering 57.1% from three-point range, which stats adjusted. Uh, I believe that actually leads the Cavs right now. Um let me just say this before before you get started. I I, th- I feel it necessary to say that I kind of owe JD an apology. <laughs> yes, you do. I do not. I did not have him in my opening rotation in my ten man rotation, and he's absolutely made me eat those words. And he's fit well just about next to anybody out there that they put him out with. And guess what? Dude is actually playing some decent defense. He's not a ragdoll right now. He's not. He's not a matador. There is no turnstile defense going on with him right now. He's it's 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 respectable. So you know why do you think Jetty has, has started off so hot this year? Because Jetty is getting the same exact plays called up for him that he got called up for in the beginning of last season when he was playing his best ball. It's just for taking his role, restricting it to one thing, just being a catch and shoot unconscious shooter, and that's it. And then defensively, just hold your head above water. And you'll be a very valuable player for this Cavs team. And we're kind of seeing some familiar stuff of last year where it seems like a lot of the Cavaliers just don't really want to take threes that often. But Jetty, for some reason, his uh, brain algorithm only makes says he's going to drive to the basket with a blistering fury or he's just going to shoot uh, <laughs> a catch and shoot three without even thinking twice about it. And uh, that's the best form of Jetty Osmond you could possibly get and him. Him getting the benefits of Donovan being such a threat and constantly drawing double teams whenever he goes to the basket just for kickouts is the best thing that could happen for Jetty. And I can only imagine when Darius comes back with the two of them, if he's ever on the floor with them, that his looks are going to be ridiculous. It's going to just be if if he's open, he's going to make it. (laughs) It's cash. Uh, one would think is if he keeps keeps this up, he's going to find himself on the court more and more often right now. Um, you know, and for what it's worth, Jetty also started off pretty hot last season too. Like you said, uh, from opening night of uh, last season to December twenty second, which actually doubled as his last game played with Ricky Rubio. Uh, Osman averaged eleven and a half points. Uh, 2.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists, and canned 39.7% of his three-point attempts. That's that's damn good production off the bench uh, for Jetty. He was one of the biggest flamethrowers in the league during that stretch um, and, and got a lot of love just like he's getting this season. So it's not unlike we've not seen this from Jetty in the past. The question is always, can he keep it up? Is he going to be consistent? Is he going to contribute on the defensive end? And right now, with Donovan Mitchell in town, He's doing all those things. So, you know, props to him. Um, I owe Jetty an apology, like I said. So from now on, whenever I make those 10-man rotations, I have no choice but to include Jetty in that because he's come up very clutch right now. And the the crazy part about this is that Jetty is actually in a contract year. So there's that aspect, too. And that I'm sure that plays a role. But uh, I couldn't be happier with what we've seen from Jetty. And uh, like you said, He's he's at his best when he has a singular focus, when he can just go out there and worry about scoring and and not have to uh, worry about facilitating stuff like that. We 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 don't we've seen Point Jetty. I love Point Jetty. We don't need Point Jetty. 
Uh, and it's just going to be interesting to see that with multiple ball handlers on the floor, I feel like when Darius comes back, it's going to be another minute shift around. I feel like we'll see less how will Neto. I feel like we'll see less of minutes from maybe a Coro as his play diminishes, but Jetty's, I feel like it's going to stay the same. I, but it's just, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how this, these minutes get shifted around once, uh, you know, a player that commands 33 plus minutes a game, uh, comes back into the fold. Obviously there's going to be a lot of shifting, right? Like Darius Carlin is coming back to the team and, you know, he's really going to, he's really going to change the, the rotations here um, from what we've seen in these last two games. But the, the next guy I wanted to talk about just a little bit is Karis LeVert, who is playing some really good basketball right now, despite his shooting percentages. Um, he, he's provided <laughs> 11.3 points per game, four rebounds and 6.3 assists. Um, I've really been impressed with his playmaking capability so far. And I know that's one thing that we've always kind of felt that he had in his bag and one thing that he, could do but we just didn't see it enough consistently last season and it, it was you know when when you're looking at the assist to turnover ratio from last year it wasn't always great um, in those 19 games and his defense has been really impressive as well um, like I said my only real gripe with him is that field goal percentage and his shot selection at times um, just to paint a, a, a picture on that Karras is shooting 50% from range, folks. 50% from range, but just 30.3% overall. <laughs> and the way that that breaks down is um, he's taking 4.73s a game. That's that's a pretty decent clip right there. 4.73s a game. But what brings that down is that he has been terrible, absolutely terrible <laughs> inside the three-point line. He's knocking down just one of 6.3 two-point field goals per game. That's 15.8%. I repeat, 15.8% of his two-point field goals. That's what's dragging his, uh, his percentage down. And a lot of that is those really awkward, um, you know, um, I don't even know what you want to term it as. It's not, it's not just mid-range. It's just some very questionable shot selection. So my question for you, taking all that into account, Corey, is what has been your initial opinion of uh, Levert so far this season and what has stood out to you the most? Uh, I've been pleasantly surprised with the Karis Levert experience. Uh, Mac and I both have said different people we wanted to start the three, but neither of us shared that we wanted Karis Levert to be the starter. But at the same time, I um, it kind of feels weirdly similar. Like you'll have to hear me out here because it's gonna sound outlandish at first. It's that it sounds pretty similar to Lori Markinen starting at the three for the the bulk of last year. Because statistically, when you look at Lavert and at Lowry at the beginning of the season, you were not very pleased with their percentages. They were actually both shooting pretty horribly, actually in different ways. Lowry from three was pretty ice cold for major stretches of last year. And now Karis is actually decent at three pointers, but he can hit a layup. If you gave him in a wide open lane and said, just go for it. You can use both hands if you want to, but uh, Karis really pleases me in the sense that his facilitating is really 
showing me how exciting it could be to have all three guards on the floor at the same time. Cause I, I think what JB and that staff is envisioning is Karis kind of allowing Darius and Donovan to come off ball and give them a lot more opportunities than we probably would have seen if you put someone else like Dean or uh, even Isaac at the three. I think they think this will unlock them offensively and give defense defense is a really hard time. Obviously that's going to depend a lot on the, uh, how hard Donovan Karras and Darius can play defense at times. And you don't want to gas these players out because as we saw in that wizards game, the Cavs were pretty gassed towards yeah, the, overtime. overtime. Everyone would. Yeah. I mean, AC only liked to bring it up every two seconds that they looked really winded. So <laughs> second night of but, the back to back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, and then when we get, we absolutely shit the bed in the end of the fourth quarter and give up like a 10 point lead in like two minutes. That doesn't really help either. <laughs> and, but uh, yeah, Karis has been really awesome. I'm, I am very pleasantly surprised. I just, I like the opportunities he provides offensively. So honestly, if that keeps up, if his percentages just get up to like average, I would be fine with that. And I, I think that alone would justify him playing the starting three for right now. So far, so good from Karras. It's not always pretty at times, but he's getting the job done. He's providing facilitation in the absence of DG. He's been above average on the defensive side of things, and he has been productive from beyond the arc. So those two-point percentages should start to trend upward um, as he – you know, kind of gets back into the uh, the the way of things when DG comes back. So I fully expect those percentages to shoot back up towards the lower forty percent. It's forty percent range. We'll see what happens with that. He's not going to continue to shoot fifty percent from three, so he's going to have to provide what? <laughs> uh, yeah, same with Jetty. Like these guys are going to come back down to earth eventually, but they're just they're playing some damn good basketball right now without DG and they've beaten some pretty quality opponents uh, in the same way that Karis will become a league average two point shooter. He will regress (laughs) heavily to the three point percentage, but I think those assist numbers could stay around five for the whole year. Whether he's coming off the ball actions, I think he's starting the whole year at this point. I, I would be shocked if they, just make a switch. The things would have to go pretty south, or there'd have to be some weird injuries that would force someone. Or he'd else have to, to get traded. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I said that at the beginning of the year, Mac, and you very clearly were disgusted with the idea because I don't see it happening. But uh, why would you even I say it now? That. <laughs> I'll just have on to poke fun at uh, at your previous comment and see if you still felt that way. But it's three games, right? It's three games. He has the ball in his hand. Honestly, anymore. I think Jetty has a bigger likelihood of getting traded at this point, if he's an expiring, I don't, I don't JB. I, I just don't see him staying around long-term. <sighs> I don't know, man. There's there, there has to be a moving chair in this circle. There's too many mouths to feed and too much money that has to be spent to keep everyone. Someone is going to get the boot and it's going to be interesting. Most likely to be traded. Isaac Okoro, Jetty Osman or Karis Levert. Uh, well, Okoro has to have very minimal value right now, so I don't know what the return would be on that. Jetty would be interesting for, I think it'd be between Jetty and Karis, and honestly, just because of name value, I feel like Karis would attract the most value, but mm-hmm. out of the three, 
I I would probably say at this point Jetty would be the most likely to be traded on the sell high. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think Jetty is quickly, if he continues to play this way, and you could really make a case for either one of these guys, Jetty or um, or Karras, that they're, they could price themselves out of Cleveland. Um, it's something that you see from time to time. Who knows? Jetty is on a very, very um, – I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to call it bargain bin deal because Jetty hasn't been perfect, and he really hasn't been consistent over the duration of his current deal. But if he has a monster year, if he keeps this type of shooting up, if he's giving anywhere between the 13 to 16 points a night, he's going to get a nice payday. Uh, a nice payday. Um, same could be said for Karras, who's making, like I think, s- closer to 18 mil this year. He's probably going to get something similar next year. Can't you, you really can't give him anything lower than what Colin got, right? So um i think that that's just the going rate for guys right now um but both of these guys or one or the other could price themselves out and be very interesting to see what cleveland ends up doing from a long-term uh standpoint for each it's tough with the karis and jetty decision because jetty is in my mind just a pure three-point shooter that has enough height that he can play the three and just put his own out there. But Karras is unique in the sense that he's like a combo guard that can play the one through the three if necessary. And that provides a lot more value to me in the postseason than Jetty because if Jetty's not hitting his shots, he's pretty much useless because defensively he's awful. Like I still don't think Jetty Osmond in any world is going to become <laughs> an average defender. Like we might be seeing beginning of the season, Jetty Osmond could put up a fight defensively, but I still wouldn't be sitting here being like, oh, Jetty Osmond's a good defender. You know, like he did you see him lock up Rui the other day. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I did, but again, that's Rui Hachimura, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know really how I can really. I don't know if Rui Hachimura is the barometer for is this a, a good, good defender? Player. He's a pretty good. No, player. He, yeah, but I wouldn't use him to be like, you know what? He locked up Rui last week. This is Jetty. Jetty we're was top about. ten. This is Jetty. We're talking about anything good defensively is something to be. Uh, a law <laughs> to be lauded. Anything so. good defensively keeps him out of JB's doghouse. That's the major concern. Like Lamar's just salivating, waiting at the moment for <laughs> Jetty to slip up. He's like the meme of the guy around the corner, just going like, just waiting. <laughs> true, so true. Um, last question, my friend, before we head out of here, who is more valuable? Who is the most, the more valuable asset between the two, Jetty or Cares? Definitely. I think it's Karis. I think a lot of teams would value what Karis brings to the table more. Just like I said, combo guard play, very valuable. A lot of teams want players that can do that. And having three players that can uh, control the ball for us will be huge in postseason. Just allowing players to not necessarily have all the weight on their shoulders. So between Darius, Karis, and Donovan, the Cavs will be a fun team to watch in the postseason as well as the regular season. So buy buy your postseason tickets now, guys. <laughs> Veteran shit's gonna get expensive. Hey, Charles Barkley's on the bandwagon now. So that's that's good. Oh to good. See. Those always go well. <laughs> <laughs> so like, All right. when's the season start falling apart? Come on, man. Have some respect. <laughs> Have some respect for you. Chuck LB. is like Chuck is the most entertaining sports analyst on television right now, obviously. But my God, his predictions suck. 
So you want you don't want to be on the wrong side of the No, I, I I just don't want to be I don't want Charles Barkley honing in on the Cavs. No. Okay. No, if Shaq says if Shaq says that the Cavs are awesome, would you take that? Oh man, that's tough. I feel like I would want Kenny to say it. <laughs> can it can it just be All Kenny, right. please? So sit on that one. Think about that. Uh with that said, if you like to reach out to us, you know you can at it's cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the It's it's uh, Cavalier exclusive Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite to that. Any closing remarks, my friend? If the Cavs lose to Orlando and Paulo Bancaro has a great night, I will not have a great night. <laughs> Somebody check on Corey. Some somebody check on Corey if that ends up happening. If the Wagner brothers cause distress to the mob I think there has to be at least five honorary minutes of the Wagner brothers versus the Mobley brothers. We just played them in preseason, didn't we? Yeah, but it has to be in game, you know. We'll see who has the better. <laughs> and it's also a Rolo revenge game, so stay tuned. Are we gonna see Diakite? No. <laughs> i don't think That's jb has the same obsession with diakite as you <laughs> i don't know the fuck he do it then he better he better <laughs> get on the diakite train sometime soon if rolo's huh. hitting behind the back lob shots diakite is not going to see the light of day my friend <laughs> man that that lopez hook shot is just poetry in motion that's just it's so fucking beautiful like it's almost unstoppable at points i feel it's like watching kareem in his prime <laughs> <laughs> oh okay i think we should close on that one <laughs> Have a rolo good night, equals kareem <laughs> <laughs>